In a world where even the smallest disagreements can lead to arguments, violence, and even death, two brothers tackle the difficult subjects. So this is part two of our conversations about uh, um, free speech. And of course, you know, free speech being a pretty broad topic, there's lots of ways it can go. Last week, we focused on uh, free speech at universities. And this week, we're going to take a particular aspect of, of speech and, and looking at the uh, banning of books and other content, media in particular, um, that is happening in a lot of schools, very popular topic these days, or I guess the action maybe seems a little more, who knows if it is actually more popular, maybe it's just getting more news right now. I don't really know. Um, I ran across uh, a, a uh, something that I feel like sort of sets the mood. I mean, can maybe use this as the starting point. Uh, there was a Supreme Court case in 1982 and in the support Supreme Court case, they addressed they or they noted the special characteristics of the school library, and this was around uh, the removal of books. And there was a uh, uh, the way that the the uh, the majority ruled was there. They they mentioned making it uh, especially appropriate for the recognition of First Amendment rights of students, including the right to access information and ideas. So, any place you want to take this or anything you want to do? Uh, I'm not really sure. I, when I have my thoughts on it, it, it was your, uh, maybe it was, maybe you want to start out because it was your thoughts. It was, you, you kind of set the stage for this one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, the reason why it's been so much in, or one of the reasons why it's been so much in the news lately is because in Florida and Texas, there's been a lot of book banning. Uh, there's been a general movement of parents getting more involved in some of the, the activities going on in the school systems, parents um, be joining the boards and, and uh, um, taking a more active role in some of the activities of teachers in, uh, and of course, books and, and uh, where what the, their children have access to, both in the school classrooms and then in the libraries. Uh, the, uh, the reason why it initially caught my attention when I sent you the message that I was interested in, it was because there was a bit of controversy in Florida around uh, a, a Disney movie called Ruby Bridges, uh, which was uh, about... Uh, the segregation or the desegregation uh, of uh, some of the schools in the Arkansas Little Rock school system. And I, I believe the, the girl, one of the girls name was Ruby Bridges, which was the name of the title. And a notice went out to the parents that this movie was being shown in one of the, in one of the classes, a parent, the parents were given the choice of, uh, allowing their children not to go and attend the school on that day. One parent decided that her she didn't want her child to see that that uh, movie. And after the movie aired, went and complained anyway, even though her child had not seen it, uh, because uh, she was concerned that children might believe white people are racist. And that was the gist of what it was that she was saying. And I feel like this gets to the heart of the the, the concept, which is, access to information and the other side of it, parents having 
uh, say in what their children are being taught and what their children are being exposed to? Uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably an accurate depiction. Um, do you think, Brian, that there should be any control or um, talking about Brian? Uh, any control or uh, I guess I mean it, it's it's interesting how it's framed. Well, banning of books, um, but really, when you have a library with children. Uh, like, do you think that we should just put, we, we wouldn't put the same books in a children's library as we do in an adult library, correct? Absolutely, correct. And obviously a portion of that is going to be, well, I mean, I guess all of it is, is it appropriate for children? Yes. Because we'd say, okay, if it's appropriate, and, and both from the con, from the perspective of, well, would the children even understand it? We're not going to give them, you know, college level math or something, they're not going to be interested in certain things. They can't read certain books. You know, in elementary school, kids probably aren't going to be as interested in, you know, I mean, even something like 18th century, 19th century uh, British literature or something like that. So the first aspect would be, well, let's try to put stuff in there that they're going to understand. It's going to be interesting to them. More Clifford and uh, the great brain than, you know, ancient or Victorian literature or whatever. I, I, you know, I, I guess we're going to try to cater to them that way. But also, and, and I think we can both agree on that. And I would also say, well, to some degree, we should be protecting them from certain things. Would you agree with that? Um, mm, yes. Uh, you know, you obviously have- you, you, you don't want to expose, let's say, an eight-year-old to um, graphic imagery of concentration camps, um, of, of, the, de- of the, the bodies piled up in the concentration camps. There's things, one of the concepts that comes up is age appropriate. I see you wanna say something, so you go ahead. Well, or pornography. Sure. I mean, there's all sorts of things and, and, and we can call that banning books or we can say, well, we should be thinking at least about our audience. Yes. I mean, even, and if you talked about a public library where we all go, you can call it banning books, but maybe we'd at least be well marked certain sections that we don't want, like graphic, uh, in you know, covers of books or something. We want we want to be somewhat controlled even at a public library, but certainly at an elementary school. So I think sometimes there's this, you know, if you're on the right, you're calling everything that they're doing racist and bigoted or pornographic, and if you're on the left, then you're saying, well, they're banning books. Well, we're all banning books. I mean, if you want to take it in the broadest sense of the word, in the sense that we are trying to figure out what's going to work best for those kids. So I don't have a problem with thinking about this, at least. And certainly I think uh, parents should be involved Mm -hmm. because, you know, these parents are, you know, they're the parents. They have responsibility for these kids. So I, I do definitely think they should be involved. And it is surprising to me that there is some pushback. You know, there was a vote in California recently that a school board said, yeah, we're not. There's certain information that they want to withhold from parents, both about curriculums, curricula, and also certain things that their kids are doing. And I think that's where we have these issues. You know, on the one side, you know, there's probably, you know, there's probably problems with what both sides are doing. And there's probably more than just two sides. But it's very reasonable, I think, um, that people are getting engaged in this and more so than in the past because it seems like now 
like we just said, well, for, you know, almost like, well, for some reason, parents are getting more involved in these school boards and trying to figure out what the curriculum is. Well, I think it's because, you know, the curricula, curricula are changing. Now, maybe there were times like, uh, what's the movie? Um, Footloose, you know, where parents got too upset about Slaughterhouse Five or, you know, some other books. But now, I mean, so parents have always been upset or, or wanting to, you know, put the blinders on or something. But we should have these conversations. I, would you agree with that, that we should be having these conversations, thinking about these things? Yes, I, I would. And, and, and I think that you're right. I think that, that there's been a general move away from interaction, uh, that parents have sort of taken a step back from, from the, what's going on in, in the schools and haven't really known what's going on. And then there's been this, this mad rush back saying, look, what's been, ha- looks what's been happening behind our backs. We need to go and, and fix all this. And, and California is often brought up as an example of, you know, the extreme activities on the left and, you know, some of the stuff that comes out justifiably so. You know, they've had some pretty extreme examples of things that they've done, uh, you know, like like wanting to uh, take away the names of some of the, the the schools, the Abraham Lincoln Elementary and the George Washington Middle School, you know, something along those lines. Presidents that most people would say have a pretty uh, hallowed place in, in our nation's history. And San Francisco has decided that these guys are, are, are uh, you know, their views at the time were inappropriate compared to the, the, uh, the perspective that we have now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that it's good that people are having the conversations and, uh, you know, when you talked about the public libraries, libraries that we do have sections for, you know, the different age groups, different material, different content. And I don't care what age you are. I don't think anybody's going to go into a public library and expect to see uh, a hustler magazine. Uh, you know, there's certain content that you just won't find at the library and no one would be upset by that. At least I don't think anybody would be upset by the fact. Very few people. Very, very few people. There we go. Thank you. Um, I don't <laughs> want to jump to too many conclusions. Uh, so, yes, most people would agree that there's certain content that shouldn't be there. And again, it comes back to age appropriate. Now, age appropriate, maybe, maybe that's where people have a little bit of an issue because different people are having a different idea of what age appropriate actually is. Like a fourth grader seeing this this uh, movie about the the uh, reintegration or integration of the public school systems in uh, in Little Rock, uh, I guess they're I don't and I don't know what age they actually were. They said it was I I, I thought it was around fourth grade, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, the fact that 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 was they didn't want their child to be exposed to it for some reason. Uh, and this is where me, people have a disagreement about what is age appropriate. The mother had one idea, assuming it was an age appropriate issue. Maybe it was just a race issue. I don't know. But the school district felt that that population and most of the parents that were sent the notice felt that the movie was age appropriate for the students that were being that were given the opportunity to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough, you know, I, you know, we talk about this uh, race stuff. But I think the greater issue that I'm seeing that people are worried about is um, sexuality, transgender issues and things like that. Sure. And because, you know, I I read a little bit about that, um, the movie, the Ruby Bridges or whatever. And I, you know, the parent, right. I haven't seen the film. I don't know too much about it, but said if uh, they didn't, she didn't want her uh, child to watch the film. She alleged that the movie's use of racial slurs and depiction of racially motivated violence could teach white people to hate black people. 
Now, I don't, I have no idea. I have heard that there are some, I mean, okay. it is true, but, but, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about this film, so it could be way off base, but there are, um, you know, for example, the 1619 project and a lot of you, which was a project, um, uh, that the New York times put out, um, talking about what they said were the true origins of our country. And many people talked about, well, well disliked it because they said it maligned um, some of our founding fathers and painted them in this horrible light and made people feel like, you know, um, that America itself was a flawed place. It needed to be torn down. So it's not just that people are saying, hey, I don't want to see anything about racism, but they're worried about how it's presented. And I think there's some justification there. We should at least be thinking about that. For example, if the 1619 Project doesn't do a good job, in somebody's opinion, of actually presenting the facts and showing people what actually happened, it could really color people's opinion of their fellow Americans, of white people, of black people, of the founding fathers, of a lot of different. So, yeah, I do think they're a little bit worried about what these kids are being shown, because if it's all from one perspective, then uh, that could be dangerous for their children. And they have every right to go in and start talking about these things. You know? For sure. No, I, I think these are good conversations to have. I'm just I'm just a little bit baffled that someone would watch a movie about the reintegration of a public school system and worrying that someone might come away from watching this movie. A white person might come away from watching this movie and thinking, oh, I don't like black people. Or I'm, I'm now less inclined to like a black person, because if you watch anything from that era, anything about that, those types of, of situations, they don't I they don't really promote they don't they don't glorify the white racists in those movies. They kind of paint them as 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 not only say demonic, but but definitely as the villains in the films. And it's not often that you'd have like a, you know, a, a middle schooler or, or an elementary school saying, yeah, I want to go and and be like the bad guy in that film that I saw. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I have you seen the film? No. Yeah, so I don't really know. You're pre it sounds like you're right. I, I don't have any concern with showing kids. I think we need to learn that history. We need to learn about um, the mistakes that were made in the 50s and 60s and all you know ever since the founding of the country. We need to learn about the concentration camps, but we need to be somewhat careful about how it's presented. But yeah, I, I definitely think we need to learn about it. I don't know exactly what this one uh, promoted, but yeah, it sounds like it should be fine. Um, so I don't think we have much to argue about this one, except that we haven't seen it. So we can't really argue about whether, what, how bad, good or bad it is. You know, no. it sounds like it would be fine. Yeah. Um, to go back to the idea of some of the books that are being banned, you're right that a lot of the, the issues often tend to be around, uh, LGBT, uh, Q, uh, plus the, the, uh, um, the, those types of topics. But then there's a bunch of others. Um, there was, uh, one of the books that they're trying to ban in Texas, when Wilma Rudolph played basketball, which is an illustrated children's book touching on the racism that Olympian Wilma Rudolph experienced growing up in Tennessee in the 1940s. And the parent wanted it removed because it opines prejudice based on race. Um, another, apparently, The Kite Runner is a book that a, a fair number of parents are wanting to have banned. It's not at the top of the list, but it's, it's not buried at the bottom either. Uh, and that's an interesting one because it's it's not a picture book. 
it's not a book that's really uh, it's the, the the style and the content is not really for young children. Uh, you know, I read the book years ago. Uh, I, I can imagine maybe high schoolers reading it. I can't imagine anyone younger than a high school even being interested or if it was put in front of them, uh, being able to really slog their way through it because it isn't you know a, a style or a, a subject matter that would be interesting. But parents are wanting it removed. So they're really wanting it removed, I would imagine, from, from high school libraries, which to me is a little interesting. Yeah, I think you could probably find examples of uh, just like you could when you watched Footloose of examples of parents that are trying to ban too many books. And yeah, that one I think would be fine, I guess. And the other concern is, you know, I mean, the only thing I could imagine that people were um, upset with Kite Runner was that it paints maybe certain cultures, maybe Muslim cultures with, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, planned marriages or, uh, the marriages where there it's not really by choice and so that girl was forced to marry somebody that, she, that was much older than her that she didn't really that she didn't really wasn't attracted to didn't love and so you would hope that when they talk about those things especially if it's young impressionable kids that they say well this is you know there's some examples where it works really well i i have a friend um from sri lanka and he his wife or his parents um it was kind of a man what do you call that brian not a Horse designed marriage, marriage. Huh? Forced marriage? No, uh, I can't remember the word, but his parents were were heavily involved and they would, they did, it wasn't that they chose a girl and then said, you have to marry her. They would find, so there's, I think there's different levels of it. Sometimes it's the parents just make the decisions. Sometimes in this case, for example, he, uh, his parents would say, hey, we, we think there's this girl, we like their family, we like her, we want you to meet her. They would get together and he'd be like, nah, not interested. And she could do the same thing. Well, when the, finally they um, found somebody that he liked and that liked him, that that's when they got married. So it was organized and orchestrated by the parents, but there was a lot of choice. So there should be some talk to those kids like, hey, it's not always like, it's not like if you live in Afghanistan, I think that's where Kite Runner took place. You're going to be forced, you're, and you're a young girl, you're going to marry some old guy and you're going to be forced into it. There's probably more to it. And, and uh, you know, anyway, I, I, as long as there's, you just worry about how it's presented, how many books these kids get, and um, is it slanted in one direction that kind of makes them, changes their worldview in a way that doesn't give them the chance to really see the big picture. You're right. You're right. It definitely, and, and this is one of the advantages to having these these books addressed within a class is that there's almost always a discussion that happens around it. Now, you, you're sort, you, you do have to hope to a degree that the teachers are going to bring these subjects up because if they don't, it's up to the students to bring it up or else it doesn't actually happen. So, yes, there is concern. And I the other concern you would have is that someone saying, well, if the topics are not brought up, then the children might come away with a misconception. Therefore, I don't want the books addressed at all, which of course, then the children are going to have a very limited experience. Because let's be honest, most people's knowledge about, if we use the kite runner as an example, their knowledge of Afghanistan is as a, a war front. And so then the kite runner gives a much deeper personal example of some of the people that live there. And so there is a real value to having that that sort of exposure. And so all this sort of comes down to the 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 uh, the, uh, the I guess the tug of war between the parents and the the school system, the teachers, the administrator and both people 
we would like to hope have the children's best interests at heart and how they how that manifests is going to be uh in conflict sometimes definitely i you know i live in oregon now and a friend of mine who lives near portland um he had a nine-year-old daughter and they were they had a section that was coming up where they were going to be talking about sexuality and he asked to see the curriculum and he's and they're like well we can't send it to you and he's like well, why not? Like, just email it to me so I can look at. Nope, it, you know we can't do that. It's copyright, all this stuff. He couldn't look at it. So then he had to go down there and he had to be on site. At least they would let him look at it, which was great. But he started reading through it and he's got all these questions because they're talking about a children, this child's sex or uh, the children's sexuality. Mm-hmm. You know what they're. You know you may feel that you're not the right. You're the wrong gender or you've been misgendered. You're, like things like that. They're talking about in this curriculum. He's like. So uh, that is very concerning to people like, hey, I don't need you to talk with my kids about that and and start leading them down a path. These are impressionable kids. And then you start to try to talk about it, but you can't. They only give you so much information and they won't tell you who was who's making the decisions about what the curriculum is or how you go about changing it. These people feel pretty powerless in uh, the curriculum that's being set. It's very hard. You have to go down after work. It's very hard to get in and even look at the curriculum. And you have to read through all of it yourself. And then you don't have any input if you really disagree with the way that it's presented. Mm-hmm. That part of it is what is more concerning, I think, to most people. I think if you told most people, well, listen, if we all looked at that uh, movie about Ruby Bridges and is teaching the kids about uh, the things that, you know, these heroes that in the 1950s and 60s fought for civil rights, of course, we're going to all, most everybody's going to be like, yep, okay, that's fine. Let the kids see that as long as they're old enough. But it's these other issues that I think are more the reason why you said I take I took a little bit of issue when you when you said earlier that parents for a long time kind of took a step back. And now they're realizing, oh, we shouldn't have. I don't think they really took a step back. I think they were all along. Nobody was really too concerned about this. But now there's some stuff coming in that is really different before. I could be wrong, but my my take on this is for a long time. Yeah, there were some parents that were like, hey, I don't want you to watch, to read uh, Huck Finn because they use the N-word. Or I don't want you to, you know, read Slaughterhouse-Five because it has some sex in it or something like that. That was the extent of it. But now people are getting pretty worried about a lot of transgender ideology and uh, a different way of looking at the racial history of our country. Meaning there's an idea that white people are evil and that they're inherently racist. And that's what pe- the kind of thing that people are pushing back against. And the reason that many people are now getting more involved in uh, what the, the decisions that these schools are making. Yeah, there, there is. I think there is a lot of that, but I don't think it's, it's isolated to that sort of thing. There was an organization called PEN, and I can't remember what it stands for, but it, it follows some of the... Uh, um, no, I agree, Brian. You don't have to prove it to me. I, I agree. It's not... It's not just that. I'm just saying you're seeing more of it because of those big issues. Sure, just like always at Footloose, they were worried about Slaughterhouse Five. I mean, for years people have been worried about things like Huck Finn or um, what's the Dr. name Seuss. of that? Doctor Seuss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that people have been worried about. Um, J.D. Salinger, The Catcher in the Rye. People didn't like that one because of some of the topics that it touched upon and that it it, it kind of dealt with um, suicide. And things like that and sexuality. So people were worried about it. 
So I think this has always been an issue and it always will be, but I think you're seeing much more involvement and alarm now from much more, many more people, not because we're still talking about the catcher in the rye and Huck Finn, but because we brought in these other issues that we're talking sure. about. But the, there's, okay, so let's take an example that, that most people would agree on. If, if a parent came in and said, I don't like the fact that you're teaching my child in an integrated classroom. I want my child to be segregated, only taught with white people. No one's going to say, well, we should really give this give this some consideration and really look into the possibilities because he is a parent. And so there's- Very few people. <laughs> okay, sure. Good point. Very few people. Well said. Um, and so there are certain certain situations when most people would say the parent may have a perspective, but it doesn't matter because- the the child is heard in the process. And this is what it really comes down to is that the parent and the school, the administration, the teachers all have the child's best interest at heart. And if you're going to, if, if from the school's perspective, if you're going to restrict and limit that child's exposure to um, experiences, to information other than what they find in their, in their small little insular community, that child will be, uh, will be impacted in a negative way. And the parents looking at it saying, I, I, I don't want my child exposed to um, things that 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 we that that fall outside of our belief system or that that uh, that, that they're not ready for on, you know, on, on an emotional level, on, on, you know, at an age level. So there's things that I don't want you that you're really pushing on my child in this case, like the, the sexuality and in, in the case you're talking about with your friend. You know, from from both sides, they're doing it with the best of intention. They just disagree on what the outcome should be. And so then, you know, when you have an integrated versus a segregated classroom, most people would agree with the, what the outcome is on, on this situation with the exposure to a young child about you know, things that maybe they're not information not receiving at home. That's where the disagreement lies. Things they're not receiving at home. <laughs> Well, uh, that, yeah. that child is not going to be taught about, you know, that that your the the gender you identify with in the inside may not uh, reflect the the uh, the biology on the outside. Maybe, maybe not. Why? Why would you say that? Like, well, because he was he was bothered by it. Right, but uh, maybe he just doesn't want somebody talking about those things, or maybe he thinks it's too soon, or maybe he thinks that he that they're not presenting it in an open and an unbiased way i want the chance as a parent to present it in an open and unbiased way well, you know and i think i think brian the other issue that we should talk about is what makes this difficult is also and, and i know you're going to kind of this is maybe you're just going to disagree with this but also it's the fact that many of these people don't have a, a choice like if you don't like what your school is doing because of the way our public school system is set up, you can't move them someplace else. Right. So whether it's because you disagree with the way that they're presenting, um, you know, sex ed or whether they whether they're just poor teachers, if you're if you don't have a lot of money, it's the poor people that are suffering here because wealthy people can put their kids in a private school or get some tutors or, you know, homeschool or do whatever they want. If you're a single parent or you're, you're both parents work, you can't homeschool. And you can't uh, get your kids to a charter school, maybe if, if you're poor and you don't have time to drive them around. These people are really locked in. And I think it's it's really unfair. So you're going to say, well, um, we're going to teach them whatever we think is right. And you can't be a part of it. Uh, and 
you have to bring them here. And we're going to, you know, it's almost like they're taking control from the parents of raising their own kids, which to some degree, I, you know, you know, they're obviously we don't want kids to just be held at home and never uh, get any education. But it is it is amazing that we give them so little so little choice and so few options. Yeah. And first of all, let me say that that I think that that the situation you described um, about the the school being reluctant to present to give any information to the parent that seems to be happening a little more lately. And and I do feel I, I do find that a little bothersome, a little concerning. You know that that you the the on the one hand you want that the you have the teachers saying. We need the parents to be more involved because I, I, we can't do it all just here in the school. We need the parents to be helping at home. But then when the parents try and get involved in certain areas, like, whoa, whoa, no, no, you, you, you don't want, we, we can't tell you about that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I recognize that these might be difficult, uncomfortable conversations, but I think that the parents should be involved and the parents should have a say in how things go. And also everyone it's helpful to recognize that everyone has the best intention, whether, you know, the, the parent looking at the, the school system, teaching their child information that they don't feel the child is ready for, or the administration looking at the parent's resistance to what is being taught and recognizing that the parent also is thinking about the best interest of their child. It's just, they have different solutions to the problem. Yeah, I would say, Brian, you know, we talk about the difference between years past and, well, oh, my gosh, parents all of a sudden are just getting involved. Well, it's because a lot of these issues did not come up back then. I mean, sure, some of them did. But a lot of this stuff, I mean, transgender ideology, LGBTQ stuff, it was like they kind of told you what was going on in sex. Like, this is how you have it. But it wasn't. Now it feels like there's almost like um, social justice warriors in classrooms. <laughs> or people that are really pushing an ideology. But it seemed to me, and you correct me if you feel, or you tell me if you feel differently. In the old days, it was like, well, what I do outside of the classroom as a teacher, I'm not going to, you know, I'll just try to present everything and and, and not try to sway people. It seems now like there's an, an intent both in school, not out, not across the board, for sure. There's plenty of them that are still doing it the way that they always have. But there's more of an intent to sway uh, the way children think as opposed to just presenting information. And I realize that's very difficult. I mean, man, just if you present some information, it feels like you may be swaying them. Like what information do you present? You've only got so much time with these kids. Like it's a little bit difficult, but it does seem like now there's more delving into these topics and talking about a lot more, you know, I mean, talking to kids about their sexuality when they're nine years old, I don't believe that happened back when we were growing up, but maybe that was just a school I went to. Maybe I'm not remembering. I think I would remember that because that would have freaked me out as a nine-year-old. You know, it seems like there's a lot more of this going on at a much younger age than ever before. Well, there there is talks at different ages and at all the different ages. It, it's different details. Uh, you know, the 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 when we got the sex ed, I, I got it in in school anyway. I got it in the eighth grade. Um, and it was pretty graphic. It was pretty specific. I remember walking out feeling a little shell shocked and totally. PTSD. Um, yeah. but when, and I, I've run across some of these talks about what's happening in the school systems at younger ages, they're, ha they're, they're addressing it, but not with the detail, not with the specificity, not with genitalia, for example, um, specifically. Uh, and so they're, they're trying to keep it 
you know, appropriate for the ages. Now, in your friend's situation, clearly he feels whatever the con, or at least the way you're, you're, you're describing it, he feels like the content that they're giving his child is not age appropriate. He feels like it should be happening a little bit later. And the whole LGBT thing, you know, that is, that is new. That is something that we weren't, wasn't coming, you know, into our schools. But when we were going through the school system, there was a lot of talk about, uh, they, a lot of people, and I think they still are arguing there should be no sex ed in schools at all, because if they just abstain, then they don't have to worry about it. If they just wait till marriage, then, then there, there's not an issue. So you can learn it all when, when you, when you, on your wedding night. I don't think that's what people are proposing. There are some in some in, in, in some places that don't want sex ed at all in the school system. And that was right. Right. But but you, I think it's a bit reductionist to say everybody who's who is concerned with sex ed in schools is saying it because they'll just figure it out on their wedding night. No, no, that's, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the arguments that the arguments have evolved. But there were still arguments that were happening when we were in the school system. They, they, when we were in the school system, they weren't arguing about the LGBT issue because that wasn't addressed at all. That was something you kept in the closet. You know, that's where, the, you know, of course, the phrase come from. Now the issue has evolved um, because the conversation. There are still small communities are looking at it from an abstention point of view, but it's also gotten bigger than that. Yeah, but I mean, once again, I, what, the way you're talking about the argument in the past, it's very reductionist the way you talk about it. People are saying, I guess the problem that some people have with sex ed, right or wrong, and I'm not, I don't agree with this necessarily, is the idea that, hey, well, you're just going to talk about it as if it's a foregone conclusion that these kids are going to have sex. Why not? Some people are just saying, why not include in that the idea of abstention? Some people do. And you can talk about it, but there, you know, people are poo-pooing. Oh no, no, the kids are all having sex. That's that's naive. You shouldn't talk about that. Like, well, and then they start to get concerned with, well, listen, if you present things with your worldview of the fact that there's only one way to look at it, you have to use condoms and you have to use birth control because everybody's having sex. That's encouraging these kids to have sex and at a younger age. So there's just some back and forth about the way it's presented. And listen, if you're going to be skewing it and presenting it in the way that you want, maybe we shouldn't do it at all. Maybe you could let us have either some say in it or just let us do it. So so I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I, I think it's reductionist to make them off as, out as these naive people that are saying, well, we shouldn't have sex ed because my kids are going to learn about it on their wedding night when they have sex for the first time. That's not what night what most of these people are saying that have concerns with the way that sex ed was taught 30 years ago and the way that it's taught today. No, it's not most people that think that way. At the same time, when you, you presented talk, it as if it were, though, when we're talking about the book bannings, there has been uh, 1,648 titles that have been banned. Now, you think about all the books that are out there, that's a pretty small list. So clearly, it's not a huge number of books that are being banned. It's a very small segment. And so this is one of the problems that we have with the news in general. The news that people are talking about, no no one is going out there and saying, well, we've had no book bannings in our school district today. Moving on to the other news. You know, we only hear about the news that that is actually getting people's attention. And so what is getting people's attention is the books that are being banned and in, in the districts where that's happening. It can skew the, you know, the, the impression. And just like what the you know the the talks about abstention when we were young the talks about the lgbt issues now at this you know, this time the talks about the book bannings they're not as uh common as prevalent as some might believe they actually are we are running low on time and i don't want to cut you off so if there's anything that you want to say to wrap this up go ahead and, and bring it in now yeah um 
Yeah, I think it's been a, a good talk. I think there's been some things that we, more things that we agreed on than I thought we would. But um, I guess my thinking on it is parents should be a huge part of this. And I really wish that parents had more, both a bigger say in this. It was more democratic because I don't know a better way to do it. You know, you kind of have to go with majority rule. You're going to have people that disagree on when kids should start hearing about this stuff, when they shouldn't. And so, yeah, you should let the parents in the school districts have some say in this and and, and allow them some control um, and and be kind about it. Like some of these people in, in places in Portland are afraid to even talk about it because they'll be vilified if they disagree and be called bigots or something else. And but I, I wish, too, that um, parents had more choice because, yeah, if you dislike the way the school is handling it, go someplace else. Teach them at home. I think that is perfectly allowable. And to say that the school is the only place where these kids are going to learn about sexuality is absurd. Of course, parents are still going to talk about it. Some won't. But then they're going to be out in the real world. They're going to hear about this stuff. They can, they've got the Internet. They can figure this stuff out. We don't need teachers to teach everything to our children because our, otherwise our children are just going to be walking around like uh, conservative, you know, fundamentalist Christian zombies or something. There's a lot of information out there. And so we should be very careful about how we um, uh, how we handle this in the school systems. And we should give people more options so they can seek someplace else to get there to take their kids. Yeah, I do agree that we should be having more conversations about this. I, I feel like that in general, our willingness to have difficult conversations has been ha, has been uh, diminishing, and and I feel like the the uh, the the people on the other side, it's gotten really aggressive in how people talk about them. I heard someone talk on the left saying they won't they won't you know that they're not going to be tolerant of fascists, and their 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 fascist comment was basically anyone to the right of center. You know, and so there, there's a general and it goes the other way as well. You know, there's a general unwillingness to talk and to walk away unhappy with the outcome. That's the other issue is that once we're unhappy, we feel like, you know, we need to go fight, you know, with something bigger, a bigger stick. And that's unfortunate. Um, so anyway, next week, it's kind of a variation on theme. We're going to talk about the Section 230. Is that the one? The the uh, Internet uh, the the responsibility of uh, some of the social media and media companies and and who who's responsible for the content that comes up there. Okay, um, cool. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, good talk. Yeah, have a great night. Okay, bye. We hope you learned something in this episode of Brother versus Brother, a podcast about difficult conversations. We also hope that you enjoyed it enough to subscribe to the podcast. You can help us by spreading the word. Share this episode on your favorite social media so that others will have an opportunity to experience it as well. You can also support us by donating through Patreon. This information and more can be found on our website, broconvo.com, and on our various social media accounts. Thank you.